friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Wednesday, June 9th, live from the Sportsnet Studios in downtown Toronto. I'm Tim McAuliffe, and with me, as always, is digital producer Jesse Rubinoff on the ones and twos, or Twitter and Instagram, at least. Hit us up at Tim and Friends anytime on our wheels of steel, a.k.a. the computer. We're here with you for two hours on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, streaming anytime along with an archive Netflix style on Sportsnet now. If you're not already doing it, sign up now. It's free for many Rogers customers. We are fired up today. In fact, we are more fired up than Leafs fans after seeing the CN Tower lit up in Habs colors. National Monument? Maybe in 1989. There's like an apartment building in Dubai that's bigger than it now. Know your role, CN Tower. La Tour CN kidding i don't really care but toronto man's fired up keep that energy t.o. the six and the rest of canada i see you we have got one game in the nhl stanley cup playoffs for you tonight the new york saints i mean the new york islanders host the bruins in game six of their series 7 30 eastern you keep that energy for ron mcclain david amber and hockey central which will get you set immediately following us right here on Sportsnet. Lay the controller down. If you want to peer in, the aisle's up 3-2 and looking to get back to the NHL's Final Four for the second straight year and set up a rematch with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the semifinals. Man, Tampa clinical. Finishing off Carolina last night with a 2-0 win. Lightning reached the third round for the fifth time in the last seven years and looking like the class of the old school East... Well, it's them or the winner of the West. That's right, kids. Once again, the game of the night happened in Denver as the Golden Knights took a 3-2 lead over the Avs with a 3-2 win. And Game 5 played out just like the series has. Colorado builds a 2-0 lead through two periods of play. Vegas answers with two goals in the third, and then the captain. The Earmuffs, uh, Ottawa fans. The captain <laughs> won it less than a minute into overtime. Pacioretty up for Stone. He's got room. Mark Stone scores. Mark Stone, overtime winner. And the Golden Knights are going home to Vegas with a chance to win the series. What a game. What a series. I don't think there is any question the West Final has been the best series of these playoffs. The question is, will we get one or two more games in this series. Nazem Kadri sure as hell hoping they get to. If the Avs can force a Game 7, Kadri will be back for Colorado. We'll discuss with Ken Reed and Kelly Rudy in hour number two. Plus, the Winnipeg Jets cleaned out their lockers after being swept by the Habs today. The cleaning of the lockers took place today. Uh, they were swept a couple of days. Once again, Mark Shifley was the center of attention, just like his hit on Jake Evans and subsequent four-game suspension. Shifley's comments today sparked quite a reaction. It's crushing to, you know, that my season was ended um, by that, and I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to play in this series. 
Um, you know, I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to be tried to shut down by Philip Deneau and, you know, it was Department of Player Safety that shut me down. So that, that definitely sucks. So that's not going over well in Montreal, where, by the way, Evans, who suffered a concussion on the ice, removed uh, by the hit, uh, resumed his off-ice training today, according to Dom Descharmes. Jesse, I like Mark Shifley. Mm -hmm. I think he's a competitor. I think he cares. I think he's an ultimate competitor. I think he cares. But someone should tell him that he needs to show a little more concern for Evans, no? Yeah, he seemed a lot less uh, contrite than he was in his original media availability today which is concerning for me like he has the sterling reputation or at least did before this incident yeah and it's almost like he's actively trying to become some sort of villain which is very strange i don't think i don't think that's his personality i don't think that's him it's weird yeah I think someone just needs to get into his ear and say just it'll go away really quickly if you just show a lot of concern for yeah. Evans and a little pissed off that you didn't get to play the rest of the series. But right now, it's a, a lot of pissed off that he didn't get to finish the series and a little concern for Evans. It yeah. needs to be flipped. He said he's not going to keep... like PR. Yeah, he said yeah. he's not going to keep crying about it. But if you listen to what he said today, it certainly seemed like he was, it was a bit whiny in terms of the way he went about right. trying to explain himself. So, I don't know, kind of a strange turn for Mark Shifley, but... How about this? It's all right. We get both sides of it. Ken Weeb in Winnipeg and yep. Eric Engels in Montreal a little later on in the show. I think Eric's a little fired up based on uh, a tweet he might have sent out about an hour yeah, ago. Yeah, you were saying that on the internet. Yeah. Engels might have uh, He's said, ready to give some takes. Okay, well, we will stay Excuse tuned <laughs> for that. Well, I have to because I work here. But <laughs> you, please, stay tuned. To baseball we go. And the Blue Jays continue their series in the south side of Chicago tonight after... Another tough loss on Tuesday. Jay's bullpen blew it again, wasting a great start from Robbie Ray and his tight pants. Everybody's talking about my tight pants. Tight pants or not, Ray gave up just one run, struck out 13 without a walk. In six and a third innings, just the fourth Jays pitcher in history to have multiple starts with 10-plus Ks and no walks in a season. However, and this is a big but, the bullpen gave up five runs in the eighth inning and coughed it up for Ray. They have now dropped three of their last four. Maybe the bullpen needs tighter pants. All jokes aside... The Jays are going to contend for a playoff spot. They are going to need to do something about the relievers. Yes, there have been a lot of injuries. I understand that. But when you're bringing in Trent Thornton and Carl Edwards Jr. in high leverage situations, you might need some help. And probably pretty damn soon. Can they? Will they? We'll ask Danny Shulman later in the show. Blue Jays Central, get you set for game two against the White Sox. 7.30 Eastern over on Sportsnet 1. All that plus my good friend Donovan Bennett and ESPN's Ramona Shelburne. Lots to talk about in the NBA playoffs, including Donovan Mitchell adding to his already impressive playoff resume against Kawhi and the Clippers. And what in the good name of Kurt Bavakwa are umpires doing across baseball? DJ wanted us to bring that to the equation. We'll do that next. It's all coming up. But first things first. First things first. 
While watching the Canadian men's national soccer team on some random pitch in the greater Chicagoland area, because while Haiti is somehow playing at home, our boys had to find a home at SeatGeek Stadium. Anywho, I had an epiphany of sorts, a realization while watching this game that this side, this group, was no longer the one that had tortured its supporters into near submission with heartbreak after heartbreak. But to know what I'm talking about, to know where you're going, you have to know where you've come from. And growing up in this country in the 80s and 90s, if you enjoyed any sport outside of hockey or maybe curling, you pretty much pigeonholed yourself to a life of sports misery. God forbid you are a fan of the two biggest world games basketball or soccer at the national level man you were doomed the funding was never there the results were there even less you were forced to cling to world university games wins in basketball or boycotted games medal rounds not medals medal rounds maybe a decent run in sydney sprinkled in there hell since the 1986 World Cup, the biggest moments in Canadian men's soccer history were a Gold Cup win in 2000 and a goal in 1994 in a friendly by Eddie Berdusco. God bless Vic Router. It's crazy that a goal from a guy who played a handful of games in the Swiss second division and a couple more in Austria in a friendly against Brazil while they were going to the World Cup and Canada was watching on TV was about all fans had to hand their hat on for years. But look around, kids. Times they are a-changing. The Canadian women's soccer team busts through the door first with Olympic bronze twice, and it could have and should have been more. The Canadian women's basketball team is ranked fourth in the world, and the Canadian men's basketball team, who when I showed up at the World Championships in Toronto in 1994 as a 19-year-old with long, luscious hair... <laughs> When I showed up to watch that team, Canada had one NBA player on the squad, and he was raised in the Bahamas. Shout out Rick Fox and my guy Will Njoku. Now, now, as they get set to host an Olympic qualifying tournament in Victoria, even while missing several NBA players, they will have a roster full of dudes who not only play in the NBA, but play prominent roles in the best league in the world. Okay, this gets me back to soccer and my epiphany. Last night as I watched Canada face Suriname, and don't kid yourselves, because of their use of a sports visa, this Suriname team was littered with top league European pros from the Netherlands with some roots in Suriname. All top level, Eredivisie, and teams like Feyenoord, beyond the Netherlands, to Galatasaray and Union Berlin in the Bundesliga. And after the normal early jitters from Canada, our boys settled in and dominated? 
Hell yeah! They dominated for once in a big game against a decent side. It wasn't Canada chasing and hoping and fouling. It was Suriname. And why the hell not? The class on the field for Canada was unlike anything we have ever seen. Alfonso Davies from German Bundesliga champion Bayern Munich playing the beautiful game with Jonathan David from French League uh, champion Lille. Kyle Lahren was on a Champions League, won a Champions League spot with Besiktas in Turkey. None of this hoof and hope. No, my friends. And it's littered up and down the lineup. Hell, John Herbman brought MLS regulars and, dare I say, stars Lucas Cavallini and Mark Anthony Kay off the bench. Let me put it this way. Friend of the show, Dwayne DiRosario, is Canada's all-time leading scorer at 22 all-time goals. Jonathan David now has 15 goals in 14 games at the age of 21. They're not only showing up for Canada these, these days, they are showing out. And I know, I know, I know, there's a section of Canadian supporters yelling at the screen right now out of sheer reflex. McAuliffe, relax. Please, Timmy, relax. It's still Haiti in Haiti and then a return leg just to get to the final eight in CONCACAF. I know, I know, I've been there with you. I have taken the voyage, if you will. I remember thinking that the next step was there for Canada in Honduras for the Hex. We built it up to a fever pitch on Tim and Sid only to watch our boys trip and fall and face plant and knock out a couple of teeth in an 8-1 loss to Honduras. It was embarrassing. I know what happened in the 2019 Gold Cup against the very same Haitian squad they face next week. 2-0 lead, only to lose 3-2. I know all this, and I'm here to tell you, this is a new day, my friends. The bandwagon is wide open, and it's okay to jump on. No longer will you have to cling to the legendary Vic Router screaming, Burdusco! Or Mobilio, Bunbury, Bunbury, Bunbury. There are new legends, my friends, and they've already been made and fortified in the best leagues in the world. And that's never happened in Canadian soccer, ever. I know I'm asking for faith from the faithless, but I'm telling you, it will be rewarded. And I'm not saying we're qualifying for Qatar. I'm telling you we have the best team we have ever had. And if not now, very soon. I'm telling you, it's a matter of time. Saturday in Port-au-Prince. Not San Pedro de Sula, but just about. Ask Nicaragua. Then the return leg at Seat Geek or whatever, because I guess only hockey teams are allowed to cross the border these days. Yeah, it'd be nice to see our boys in Toronto, in Edmonton, but I digress. Canadian soccer fans, I have stood there with you. I know there is trepidation. Be not afraid, my friends. Uncle Timmy's telling you it is the dawn of a new era, and it could be upon us as early as next week. First things first. First. All right, Jesse, I know you do. You grew up in a different generation than <laughs> I. 
but you have walked this road. You're not that young. Like, you have walked this road. Some gray you have hairs seen here. This. Yeah, a couple gray hairs. Do you understand, like, what we're about to see or what we could be seeing if indeed I'm right? First of all, your pronunciation on all of those soccer names. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Think it's I, very I hope And the so. singing, too. The Buduzko, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I do. And I think uh, when it comes to Canadian soccer, what two things that you need for sustained success are star power, mm-hmm. and then you need, you need to win. And then when little kids see your stars winning on the pitch, they are going to start playing soccer. Yeah. And you are going to have success at a grassroots level. And now it's, we're starting to see that because the seeds have been planted. But here's the, here's the thing that always was the case for Canadian soccer. Mm-hmm. There was always a ton of kids playing soccer. Mm-hmm. A ton of kids. You go and you see Timbit soccer in the park. There's a bunch of kids running around chasing the ball. But we now tactically have been able to take the coaching to another level where all those kids in the park are now producing world-class talent, women and men. And obviously because of depth of field, it's yeah. been harder for the men to break through. But man, like to see what I saw on the pitch in a clinical 4 nothing domination of a good side, I don't know if I've ever seen that before from Canada. Like... We're and Jonathan with all due respect to the OGs, like yeah. Paul Pescasolito down the street from me growing up. Like I, there were all, Bunbury, I watched back in the day. All those guys, even the guys from the West Coast who trained with the Whitecaps in the 86. Yeah. Like I, I know it. We've never seen this before. Like top level teams, top yeah. level players. When I was growing up, like I guess you could say Dwayne Di Rosario was like the, the face the of guy. Canadian soccer. Yep. And now you look at this team. And it's Alfonso Davies isn't a good Canadian soccer player. Right. He is a world class player. Right. Same with Jonathan David, Kyle Laren. So now it finally feels like there's this real momentum yeah. that is starting with Canadian soccer. We've seen it on the women's side. And now if you can just get it on the men's side for any level of sustained success. Yeah. Just I can't even imagine where it's gonna go from here. It'll be very interesting. Uh, by the way. Um, James Sharman is going to join us tomorrow. Love it. Start of the Euros. Uh, so we'll talk about... It's, it's funny because in the past, I, th- I think a lot of Canadian fans went to the country of their ancestors yeah. to cheer because Canadian soccer had been tough to root for. So you had people cheering for Italy. You had people cheering for England. You had people... Portugal. all over, And now they can focus on Canada, and that'll be awesome. So James Sharman will join us uh, tomorrow right here on the show. We'll talk a little Canadian soccer, and we will also talk about the Euros set to get underway. In case you're wondering, we here at Sportsnet decided to wear uh, this orange ribbon for 215 hours to match the number of unmarked graves in Kamloops. And listen, I think we all understand the heartbreak was immeasurable. And before we could even mark those 215 hours, we were hit with another moment of unspeakable terror, this time in London, where we lost four Canadians because of their faith, because of their Muslim faith. Another reminder of why we always need to strive to do better, why we need to call racism out when we see it, why hate should never find a home here in Canada, and why we, as Canadians who pride ourselves on being a shining light of democracy, fairness, and equality for the world to see, need to work harder to hold ourselves to those very same standards. 
I speak for a living, but there are no words to describe how or why a nine-year-old boy must live to learn without his family, must learn to cope with the unimaginable, all because they went out for a walk. Absolutely no words, but perhaps maybe a not-so-gentle reminder from the words of Dr. King, who once said, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Back to Tim and friends. Uh, at the start of all this, we said we'd get by with a little help from our friends, and uh, that's what we're doing. Donovan Bennett has joined me in studio for the next 25 minutes. Have you... Uh, have you cross this with your agent like we're good with this that 25 mm-hmm. minutes is the allotted Fully time booked. that you that you have uh, you have allotted to us it's like uh car share or the thing we use before 35. car shares oh, me, yeah. uh taxis yeah the meter's running so you have me as long as you need me but but we will charge <laughs> right. so I'm, i'll get comfortable all right uh, what's going on with you what are you working on these days Ooh, uh, i did an interview with akeem alu that uh, will come out uh, in the weeks to come, display it hopefully right here in this very space. Oh, nice. Um, got a open for Hockey Night in Canada that will air Game One. That I'll be working. Jesse on. gives you the whistle. That's yeah. big time stuff. Yeah. Oh, is that right? It's not I mean, the first though. It's yeah. not the first, right? Yeah. Did you just give him the? Uh, oh, was that big time stuff? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you did? Yeah, I don't know. I just worked. That's I write I things. Yeah. I voice things. I show yeah. up places. Uh, lots of good. Lots of good work. Lots of good work. Uh, all right, cool. I appreciate that. Uh, you got lots of good work. Had a strong start and close to the block one. First part of the show for the uninitiated. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Canada basketball, Canada soccer, obviously yes. um, the end of the block meant something to me, and I'm sure it means something to you. I can tell by the ribbons that you're wearing that it means something to you. I will open the floor wherever you want to go. As you know, I pride the show on having the versatility to go Anywhere that we can possibly go. So wherever you would like to take it, I'm good with. Sure. I, let me follow up because I think your words were uh, needed and poetic uh, to close the block. So I'll start there. And I, when I think of this issue or this ongoing issue as we continue to add ribbons to our lapels, yeah. uh, I think of probably the guy who has sat in this seat adjacent to you, uh, filling in for yourself or Sid, as much, if not more, than me over the years, and that would be Faisal. Right. A guy who I've had the pleasure of hosting the show when you guys both were on vacation with. And uh, I'm very, very sad personally, and I went to school in London, so I'm sad for that community, but I'm sad for him and people like him. There is a level of uncomfortableness that you're used to as a black person leaving your house, making other people feel comfortable. For me, if I hear sirens, I get nervous. But for, sadly, many people who literally have to wear their religion, mm-hmm. the level of uncomfort is all of the time. I've never felt afraid walking on a sidewalk with my family. But now everyone in this country who has that faith will. So I say all that to say because this is a sports show and we certainly are going to talk about sports, but this is also a community. And Faisal is a big part of the community. And the community of this show, both 
sports in that? We're united by sport. But Tim and Citizens before Tim and Friends is in, that's what we're calling them now. We're workshopping it. Give us some yeah. ideas. But the community of this show has so much power that when you guys say, hey, we want something to trend, it trends. Mm -hmm. And I just know that a guy that we love a lot who's participated in this show a lot has to be hurting right now. And I also know that oftentimes when he gives his opinion about sports, people go at him for his religion that he's proud of. Right. So all or of just the, his name. Or just his name. Yeah. So all of the Tim and Friends is in, give Faze a big virtual hug and reach out to anyone like him in your circle now and give them a hug because for the people who say, I love this country, this isn't us, this is our community, for many people like Faisal, it is our country. It is their community. And so not acknowledging that is not helping. Actually, acknowledging that is the way that you can help. Uh, I reached out to Faisal earlier today because I saw his timeline yesterday. And I've said this to you before, too. Like, sometimes I feel uh, honestly disingenuous when I put out something on Twitter that's just uh, a statement or something that I'm feeling in the moment. It feels like everyone is lining up to do that. And I have this show where I can go on and speak my feelings and I'm blessed to have it. And there's a privilege to sit here and talk to these people the way I do. And I feel like I can be a lot more genuine by just talking to the camera or talking to Jesse or having you come in here and talk to me. And I thought, I'm gonna do this tomorrow. I'm gonna talk about it tomorrow. And I saw Faisal's tweet yesterday and I pulled it up on um, Twitter right now and it says I know there are sports on and a lot of people colleagues and others on the timeline cover them for a living but please use your voice to try and influence change too the helplessness is overwhelming and the reason I sat down and tried to think of something that I was going to say on the show was because of that hmm. and I I feel like some of the conversations, and you can look if you want, I'm not gonna show it, you can look at the first response to Faisal's tweet on Twitter. And I feel like there's people waiting to drag these conversations down into the mud, and we don't need to give them time. And I feel like on Twitter, these people get time when if you're focused on the goal, don't worry about the chum in the waters. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, just keep moving on. And so, I have this back and forth personally where I'm like, I want to weigh in, I want to say something, but I don't want to give this person who's going to tag the first you know, response on this. And I don't know why Twitter always has the first response as the one that's always the most, um, I was going to use a word that I probably shouldn't use, uh, vitriolic, is that a word? Yeah, it is. Yeah? So I, I, I hate that. And here we can have a conversation among human beings that we can't have here because everyone's just yelling and screaming trying to get their two seconds of fame, no matter what it is. Yeah, I'm going to be a lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm not good at that. Uh, I'm I know not you're good. not. I've seen you. I'm not good at not responding. I'm not good at just letting it go down the timeline. And maybe I should. And my wife argues that I should be much better. But sometimes... Well, it's, it's also easier for me to say. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Sometimes I find it necessary to throw that, and not just to reply, to throw it into a quote sheet, so that some people who think that, oh, this is not really an issue in this country, see, oh, yeah, well, uh, maybe it is more of an issue 
than I think it is. Maybe they realize that there are parts of this country where if you want to do a certain occupation, you can't show up as your authentic self. Like, right. that's legislated in the law. People want to act like some of these things are just in The Handmaid's Tale or just in the south of the United States, and they're not in this country that I love. The reason why we love this country is because the high ideals that we have. Right. But we don't always reach them. And so there's nothing wrong with having an open conversation about the fact that, yeah, in some areas, some of us are failing others of us. Yeah, it's just in times like this where I don't know how you could possibly think that we don't have the problem. Like, how is it possible when we see something like this that we think we don't have the problem? Yeah, I mean, uh, we could debate it, but there's some numbers that don't lie. There are countless communities in our country, one of the most advanced in the world, that don't have running, running water. water. Don't have running water. And guess what the people in those communities look like? Even though... Not like necessarily me or you. So, Even though it was promised in an election. Yeah, a lot of things were promised. Truth and reconciliation was a long document. Yeah. There's still a lot of to-dos on that. And there are over 300 and now counting uh, issues documented of Islamophobia in our country. Those are the ones that we know about right. because we know culturally, for a lot of people of Asian descent, the culture is you just turn the other cheek. You don't make a big deal of it. You move on. Well, sadly, when you're walking on the sidewalk and you're run over, you can't just turn the other cheek at that point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, we have to sit in it and acknowledge it. Yeah, this is who we are, sadly. Yeah. And I, I, to be clear, Canada is the best country in the world. And I say that saying that if we have these issues, imagine some of the issues in other parts of the world. Right. So if we want to continue to be the best country in the world, we need to improve on these issues. Right, and it's, it's something that I say all the time. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a human, be a good human being, and striving to get better. Like, this as a country is a great country, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with striving to get better. In fact, we write it as our tenants all the time that we will strive to be this beacon of whatever you think we will be here, and there's nothing wrong with striving to get better. And this all started because uh, our friends, many of our friends, not just Faisal, are hurting right now. And the last time we had a conversation like this, you and I was in and around the time that we lost George Floyd. And it was the same thing where I sat here and I saw friends of mine hurting and I wanted to have the conversation. So, uh, Faisal, your tweet touched me, obviously touched Donovan, and uh, we wanted you and uh, others who watch this show regularly, who happen to be of Muslim faith, that were there with you in this time, I think. No question. All right, why don't we just uh, take the quick break? Because we're not going to go to Canada basketball or Canada soccer why? after this. Do you want okay, can I say one thing about Canada basketball and Canada soccer that's somewhat related? Yes. If you look at the rosters, and you guys have shown them both yeah. many times on this show, uh, look at those guys, most of them, almost to a man or female's woman, first generation, second generation Canadians. So when we talk about other and who really is a Canadian, how good are our programs now that they're diverse, now that they're bringing in the entire world? So for other sports watching, you might want to follow the same lead. Other industries watching, other sectors of our country watching, aren't things better when they're inclusive? Our men's and women's soccer and basketball programs are a great example of that. Right. I, that's another one I don't really understand. When you have more, aren't you better? 
when you have, uh, anyways, I, I will take the break. I think that's like math. <laughs> yes, More is better. Yes. Yes. If you could, if there is a greater pool of people from which that you can go to, to help aid whatever sport business you're in, it usually helps. But who am I? The girls, them sugar. After the break, <laughs> we're going to talk hoops. Ramona Shelburne joins us. Donovan Mitchell. Another Donovan leads the Jazz to a big comeback win over the Clippers in game one. Nikola Jokic is your MVP. And Nate Bjorgren is out in Indiana after just one season. Ramona Shelburne, Donovan Bennett, Jesse Rubinov, and you. It's Tim and Friends. I thought you were Mr. Loverman. Shaba. Big game two in Philly. This is a must win for the Sixers. Embiid, now he's going to work. And Embiid in the top is a favor. Man, this guy is something special. Here is Milton, got it off in time, and count it. He's going for another three, and he's got another three. Shake and bake. Oh, why not? Game-changing performance. This series all even at one game apiece. Western Conference semifinals. The Clippers and the Jazz going head to head. It's all how we start this quarter. They play game seven two days ago. They'll call it quits and get ready for game two if we make them. Your best player is going to have to step up and make plays. Step back three. Good. Donovan Mitchell. How good has he been in this second half? Mitchell, the drive, the finish for Donovan Mitchell. He's doing it on the biggest stage. Running out of time. Morris, one dribble, blocked. That's game. And it ends on a French rejection. Some great mic'd up moments in that game between the Jazz and the Clippers. Not Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan Bennett in studio beside me, Tim McAuliffe. And uh, we're joined by ESPN's Ramona Shelburne. And let's be, uh, let's be honest here. All three of us are working parents in a pandemic. Yep. And Ramona was yeah. just telling us in the commercial, are you set up between two little tight swing sets? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, to us? pretty much. It's, it's like I, I normally do my like my TV hits from a little studio that I have, but yeah. it's the next it's next to where his room is, and he's taking a nap. So I was like, I'm gonna have to go in the bedroom and improvise a little. <laughs> you you have to respect the nap time. Yeah. You yeah, have to respect the nap time. You have to respect. Well, we're hanging on to nap time as long as we can. Oh, you know? for sure. You have to respect the the power and the ingenuity of a mom. Oh yeah, well, like, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a screenshot of this setup. This is this is next level. It's literally like phone attached to a little tight swing set. It's great. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, we've all been there, done that. Donovan just puts his son in all of his pieces. So True. that's yeah. how Donovan takes care of that. And I yeah. had uh, I had a dance class on. Zoom zoom on top of my head every tuesday for about uh, six months while we did the yeah. show from my basement so we've <laughs> all been there and done that yeah uh let's talk some ball ramona uh if we yeah. will yesterday obviously there was a lot of momentum for the clippers and what Kawhi did in a seven game series i thought there was a little bit of a coming out party for donovan mitchell and a team that wasn't getting a ton of respect as a one seed did you see it the same way Oh, totally. Look, I thought it was a scheduled loss for the Clippers, to be honest. Like, they, I covered the last series that they played against the Mavericks, and they expended so much effort in game six and seven. It's not just that they played game seven. I heard that little clip you played at Donovan saying they, they just played game seven two days ago. They're tired. Well, they'll quit, you know, if, they, if we make them. Uh, yeah, but they also played an elimination game on the road in game six. 
And that both the, both of the turnarounds are really fast. I mean, the game six was uh, Friday night in Dallas, in Dallas. So then they had a quick turnaround for a Sunday afternoon game in Los Angeles. So you lost time coming home, and then you had to play game seven. So two elimination games like that, that's really difficult. And so I think they really got um, – I really was impressed, the fact that they even came out as, as good as they did. I think it was 38 hours between game seven and game, game one of this series. Plus you have to go to altitude. I mean, I, I was like – if I'm the Clippers, I actually feel pretty good about that game one. What I love about the playoffs is that players quickly can change our perceptions of them. And yeah. we're seeing it all over the place yeah. this year. And Mitchell is a great example. He looks like a young playoff D Wade, and his owner, mm-hmm. old <laughs> money D Wade, is coaching him up yeah. on the sidelines. What do you think the trajectory of Mitchell in this situation, literally getting that great counsel, could be? So I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, when Donovan Mitchell was a senior, or not, I don't know if he was a senior, he was coming out of Louisville at a college, right? Um, he just, I met him in the hallways of, of Oracle Arena during the NBA Finals. His agent, Ty Sullivan, had just, he was just taking him around. He was just a, a guy and like none of us knew about him. He was, you know, we kind of heard his name maybe from NCAA tournament, but he wasn't like seen as a lottery pick. He wasn't seen as a future all-star. And so they brought him they brought him just around to kind of show him the sights and what it feels like to be in the playoffs and the highest pinnacle of the sport. And it was, you know, and I remember being introduced to him there and I was like, Oh, Hey, that's nice to meet you. You know, welcome to the league. I'll see you in a few months, but you know, just didn't really take note. Like it was like, Oh, that was kind of cool to meet a draft pick like that. But he, he what, literally I was not projecting him as this, but I, I think it speaks to who he is, right? He's a guy. And, and I liked what Rachel Nichols said on the jump today about him. He's a guy that wants mentorship that he wants people to teach him. He seeks it out. He remember as a rookie, he would like ask me about the media game. Uh, you know, I mean, he was, he was kind of open to things. He wanted advice and, you know, look, I'm, I'm old and wise now, theoretically. Okay. So I always respect it when college kids or somebody who's coming out of college, say like, Hey, what do you think? Or what do I need to know about this? You know, but very rarely in my career have I ever had a player who just actively seeks that out, especially at that age. And so, that's Donovan Mitchell. That's why he's this good, this young. Because he's sitting there talking to D-Wade, not because Dwayne Wade came over and put his arm around him, because he saw, he sought it out. Ramona Shelburne joining us here on uh, Tim and Fred. So Donovan brought it up, and I thought about all those promos that talk about the NBA playoffs where reputations yeah. are built and busted. And I thought to myself, like, there have been a lot of young players who have kind of taken it to the next level. Who do you think has done the most for their reputation this early? There's Trey Young, there's Devin yep. Booker, there's Donovan Mitchell. Like, there's a bunch of names where we're like, oh, they're not just yeah. a good player on a bad team anymore. Well, we had this little vote, um, you know, well, hey, who's the MVP of the playoffs so far? And I maybe I was just because I was covering this series so much. But, I mean, Luka Doncic, oh, my God. Like, that guy was amazing in that series. And I think we all knew he was great. So maybe he suffers a little from the idea that we already knew he was great, okay? But he looked to me like this young LeBron James. Like, he was – he's big and he's strong and he can get wherever he wants in the basketball court. And, and they had Kawhi Leonard on him, and he was the best. They didn't really want to have Kawhi defend him because you use up so much energy defending him. Plus, Luka's bigger than Kawhi. Like, he outweighs him. By, what, look at him right there. I mean – I I think he outweighs him probably 30, 40 pounds. He, you know, Kawhi is really good defender. The, the, the one guy on the team that you think, I thought Morris actually was going to be the best defender on just because he's bigger, right? But Kawhi ended up, of course, being the best defender on him. And he had to use so much energy chasing him around 
in those game six and game seven when they finally put him on Luca in a meaningful way. Because I think it was probably the reason they won. I mean, like, and that's hard to say for a guy who scored 46 in the last game. (laughs) Look how good he is with Kawhi on him. He would have had 60 if somebody else was on him. Crazy. So I'm loving (laughs) the competition and the narratives. But I'm also watching these games wondering, what's the league office thinking? No Warriors, no Lakers. I know. Looks like the JV team in L.A. and New York might go pretty far. I don't really know who's signing up for a Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns, Western Conference Finals. What is the implication on the business the way the bracket is shaping right now? Okay, so I the league office is not worried about this. The, it's it's my my folks in Bristol or <laughs> the, uh, the you know TNT down in Atlanta. That's that's the ratings game, right? But yeah. um, I think the truth is is we have a whole generation of new young stars and fresh faces that we have to embrace. Like you just have to do good story. They're great. I mean, who doesn't want to write a story about Trey Young and watch him play? He it looks great. Donovan Mitchell is great. Devin Booker. These are great stories. And and. You know, I've written a, quite a bit. Look at, I mean, Trey Young, look at him. He's so good. He's so fun to watch, too. And, and I mean, I think he's a young Steph Curry, just the way he plays the game and the range and the swagger. He has that baby face kind of like Steph, right? I mean, you know, even the way he kind of embraced the heel role in the last series where he's bowing to the fans in New York when they knocked him out. I mean, I, like, I think we have some great young stars. And it would be nice if you had sort of a young star against an older generation star. Well, we might get that if Brooklyn's in the finals. We might get, you know, Trey Young in the Eastern Conference finals. Let's say you get Joel Embiid against Kevin Durant in the next yeah. round. That could be fun. You could get Trey Young against Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Fun. I like that. I'm into it. Um, plus, Chris Paul's on the Phoenix Suns, so that'll be a that'll be a fun storyline if they end up going through in that in that series. Um, I picked Phoenix and I picked the Clippers. I'm into that. Chris Paul against his former team. Cool. If it's Utah, if it's Chris Paul against the Jazz, but Chris Paul, age 36. So we do have like sort of a, we do have a couple of old guard that are left here. Yeah. And I think it'll be a fun uh, matchup in the next couple of rounds. Like you're, you're right. There is a sort of ratings complication if we end up with, let's say, Milwaukee or Utah. And <laughs> those aren't exactly huge markets. But look, a couple of years ago, we all were worried, oh, it's Toronto, right? You know, no offense to you guys up there. Uh, <laughs> is that going to translate to ratings? It was okay. You know, it was a fun finals. I enjoyed it. Like, we all ended up really loving going up there. Uh, I didn't love the customs line. Got to work on that. Still still yeah, needs to improve. Got to get that Nexus. Yeah. Got to yeah. get that Nexus yeah. thing. That Helps ton. Uh, we'll be back. <laughs> right? So, please get your Nexus because you're going to have to cross that border a lot. It, it, it almost right. feels like we may look back at this NBA playoffs and say that was a passing of the torch. Like yeah. that, that might have been, and listen, I'm not ready to say that LeBron's done or Kawhi's yeah, done either. or anything like yeah. that, but it feels like you learn to win in the NBA and there's going to be a lot of experience handed down to some kids that are really good. That's right. And, and I, and, you know, sometimes you get the classic matchup. Like I, you know, when I came up, it was, is Kobe going to play against LeBron? Right. And then there's, a, is there going to be a Kobe Michael Jordan thing? Sometimes you get that exact passing of the torch. <laughs> like literally past yeah. the torch. Um, we kind of got that with Kevin Durant and LeBron James when they played against each other in the finals. I mean, I right. And then there was obviously LeBron um, and Steph when they had their battles. Like so, there was some, there was some. Uh, I wouldn't say passing of the torch because LeBron's still really good, right? But but this this year, you just kind of have to lean into the fresh faces. I think they're fun. They're growing. They're growing up before our eyes. 
Um, and I've, I really enjoyed a lot of the actual basketball. Sometimes we get consumed by the storylines and their, the narratives and the games become secondary. These games have been good. I mean, with the exception of the Brooklyn-Milwaukee game so far, though, that last one was a blowout and kind of boring. Like, I really enjoyed watching the Clippers-Utah last night. Yeah. Clippers-Dallas was great. Atlanta-Knicks was fun. I think yeah. Atlanta-Philly is going to be fun. All of these, these are actually good games that even if you don't have a connection to the stars in those series or, or something like that, like I think they're fun, fun basketball to watch. Ramona, one thing we all know is that nap time is valuable capital. Mm-hmm. I am here right now so I could be away from my son with good reason. You are using your nap time with us, so yeah. thank you so much. We appreciate it. You're welcome. I like you guys. That helps. You know? <laughs> uh, be well, stay well, and uh, maybe that I, I want to come see you guys sometime. Yeah, can we got, the Raptors shoot good again? You know? We got we to get those old borders open first. And yes. then, then we'll worry about yeah, the rest. I'm rides. vaccinated. You guys are hopefully getting that on the way. Let's, let's do this. Closer, closer. <laughs> Appreciate okay. it. Be well, okay? Thanks, guys. There All is right. Ramona Shelburne. Good people in L.A. joining us uh, during her nap capital. Uh, good people, thank you for doing this. Appreciate it, as always. No worries. You have some pull on the border. Can you get her a Nexus card already? I, I w- it, oh, pull on the, with a Nexus card? Yeah. Maybe we can work on a Nexus talk to, card. Talk to your people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, like, we can't even get Canada's soccer team across the border. <laughs> yeah, playing Seat Geek Stadium. Hockey's next. We got a bunch of people, including Kenny Reed. Kelly Rudy. Tim and Fred. Tim and Friends. Time for Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends. Time for Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and friends of the show. Muchas gracias, Sheepdogs. Back here for hour number two on a hump day edition of Tim and Friends. What do you do on hump day? Don't answer that. Ken Reed in studio shortly. Kelly Rudy will join me in just a few minutes, plus Ken Weeb on the Jets and their next steps. And Mark Shifley had some interesting comments today. We'll get the reaction of Mr. Weeb and Eric Engels from Montreal, as well as the latest on the Habs as they prepare for Colorado, Vegas. Dan Schulman on the Jays' leaky bullpen. Jays and White Sox round two. Tonight, right here on the network. Bruins try and keep their season alive and force it to a Game 7 against the Islanders tonight. That's also on the network. It is a family of channels, otherwise known as a network. Sportsnet is your home for that. Or you can just check your guide. 7.30 Eastern, also available on CBC. Tuka Rask pulled in Game 5 after allowing four goals and 16 shots. Bruce Cassidy said there was an injury concern, but he's good. He's our starting goalie, um, and he's he's healthy and ready to go, and let's hope he's on tonight, and we're better in front of him than uh, in Game 5. I talked to him yesterday at the rink. Uh, he, he, felt, he, he said he felt better coming out of that game uh, than he did uh, during it, and figured he was ready to go, so it's his net. So Cassidy's got his Sundance kid. Meanwhile, the Canadians are sitting and waiting for their semifinal opponent, either Colorado or Vegas, as mentioned earlier. Dom Ducharme with some good news today, saying that Jake Evans is working out in the gym and could possibly play next round. Well, Jeff Petrie should be ready for early in the series, potentially even game one. Meanwhile, uh, Brendan Gallagher was asked if it matters that the Habs have been uh, talked about as haven't been talked about as a cup contender like their next opponents have. 
with all due respect, couldn't care less. Um, it, it just doesn't matter. Uh, when we when we started the season, we told you guys the same thing. We're confident in this group. Uh, we're competing to get into the playoffs. Give yourself a chance. When we started the playoffs, uh, you know, I understand there was probably a lot of doubt outside our locker room, but not within it. When we got down 3-1, was there doubt? Did anyone give up? No. Uh, outside this room, maybe. Who cares? They're, they're at that point now. I mean, everyone on Sportsnet's picks took the Leafs. Everyone on ESPN's picks took the Leafs. If you look at the Jets versus the Habs, it was the same thing. They're past this. They've seen it for two rounds. All right, let's move on. The Jets players spoke to the media today coming off the sweep at the hands of the Habs. The main talking point, once again, centered around Mark Shifley and the end of his season. And apparently it came out swinging. Here's some of what he had to say. Obviously, it's, 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 it's crushing to, you know, that my season was ended um, by that, and I wasn't, able to, I wasn't able to play in this series. Um, you know, I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to be trying to shut down by Philip Deneau, and, you know, it was Department of Player Safety that shut me down, so that, that definitely sucks. The media, you know, had us not making the playoffs, being a bottom feeder in the league, so you know, that's where, you know, you guys, you guys, you guys get caught, you know, contradicting your guys selves all the time. So, you know, you guys, you guys didn't have any hope for this team um, from, from day one. Um, and I think we proved you guys wrong all season long. Sometimes I feel like the narrative of us against the world goes too far in sports. Uh, we'll hear from others. Ken Weeb, Eric Engels, Ken Reed, Kelly Rudy, coming up in mere moments from now. The finalists for the Norris Trophy were announced today. The Rangers' Adam Fox, Lightning's Victor Hedman, and Az Kalmakar are up for the award. Hedman is the only former winner. He's now been nominated five straight seasons and is the odds-on favorite. No nomination for Darnell Nurse, but a great season. Shout out. All right, the Jays continue their series in Chicago against the White Sox tonight. See it on Sportsnet 1 with the Blue Jays. I was saying nurse for Norris like halfway through the season, so I just wanted to make uh, is sure. Is that why you put that in there? Yeah, that's why I was <laughs> curious. Uh, Blue Jays Central getting you set 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. You can hear Ken Reed. I'm supposed to introduce him in a second, but he never waits. Alec Manoa <laughs> makes his third career major league start while the White Sox counter with Lance Lynn. Have you seen his numbers? 7-1 and one with a 123 ERA this season. Here's a look at the lineup for the night. Joe Panic plays third base. He'll bat six. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. moves down to the seventh spot. Rowdy Telez back at DH batting eight while newcomer Riley Adams takes a seat for Reese McGuire who will bat ninth and catch for Alec Manoa. You've already heard him and you will see his trophy. Ken Reed joins me in studio. Hey, Which of those topics you were raring to jump in on like four of them. You could just see him itching for we should just bring you on off the top. I don't be quiet. Dude. I never shut up. No, uh, but why would you? Oh, it's okay. It's fine. Lance Lynn, those are like the Jays couldn't hit with runners in scoring position last night. Now they have to face Lance Lynn, who I must say is the most impressive Lance since the, the friend of the Edison twins. Remember the Edison twins in the mid eighties and Lance was the best friend? No. He was no. a he had a tight, tight perm in the eighties. He oh, yeah. was Lance was a cool guy. He was in was a classy it, tuxedo ad. Was the Edison twins better? or worse than Danger Bay? Worse, but the Edison Twins was ahead of itself because I remember one episode, uh, the Edison geek tried to solve uh, 
riddle of why basketball wasn't going in. Mm. And he says the revolutions per minute yeah. weren't high enough, which brings us right to the sticky and right, right to the modern world. So spider tag. Edison twins were well ahead of its time. So there it all comes together. You didn't get out much as a kid, did you? No, I did not. They called me houseplant for a reason. They called you houseplant? Uh, yeah, I looked at my hockey cards and that was about it. All right. Let me, uh, let me ask you about uh, one of the guys that would have been on your hockey cards if he had have played back in the day, Mark Shifley. Yeah. Do, do you feel like... And this has been, I'm tagged on numerous, numerous arguments. Yeah, don't over. tag us on your fights. That's a big Twitter peeve. <laughs> yeah, it is a huge. But all my timeline is like I can't get anything yeah. on what people are asking about the show because too many people are fighting over our tweet about Mark Shifley. Mm-hmm. I felt like it's just PR. Someone should have whispered to him, hey, calm down on the this is how your season ended. I know it sucks. And just light up a little bit on the how's Jake Evans Well, doing? the clip we keep saying, keep showing, his, he says, I was shut down by player safety. In a way, he's kind of just stating a fact because he was shut down by player safety. I saw another clip where he called the suspension excessive. Um, maybe he does think it was excessive, but um, this is the new way. If we want to cut down on uh, brain injuries, guys are going to be suspended for these type of hits. When you and I grew up, these are the kind of hits that made the, the tapes and yeah. made the highlight packs. I mean, remember Wendell on Bruce Bell? Yep. I mean, that was just an epic hit. Maybe Mark Shifley's 28 years old. He probably grew up when he was 11, 12 years old. Somebody said, always finish your check. And when you're a kid and you learn to play a certain way, it's hard to get it out. So maybe he's a little more old school like some people are, and they look at the hit and they go, that's a hockey hit. Whereas the new world goes, that's clearly charging. And... There has to be consequences for a hit like that. So maybe he's a little confused on it. Yeah, I just think that we're at the point now where you just whisper to him and say, hey, just worry about Jake Evans and everyone will leave you alone and yeah. it won't feel like you're against the world. But, but I do like the fact that he speaks his mind and he's, he's telling us what he, he thinks and feels. And that, as a, as a reporter, as a media member, that's all I want. I don't want a guy to go up there and just... Say yeah, PR give lines. The, give you the cliches. Unless it's pucks and deep. I do enjoy that <laughs> but it one. it sounded like he was pissed off at the media. That's fine, too. We don't all have to be friends. We <laughs> should right. be PO'd at the media. And by the way, I mean, only one team can win. And uh, note to people watching. Sorry, one team can win? Only one team can win. Okay. And note Reminder. To pe- and note to people watching, uh, sometimes the media, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> we don't know. Predictions. How do you predict who's going to win in these Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah. Clearly, like, there's... It's not like uh, when the Oilers would meet, all due respect, the Chicago Blackhawks in the 85, you know, Campbell Conference Final, and you knew the, the Oilers were going to feast on Murray Bannerman. Like, the <laughs> game, there's a lot more parity now. Like, Montreal knocking off Toronto, to me, was not the biggest upset in the history of mankind. It wasn't that, like, it was, sure, it was an upset, right. but... I mean, you can there are see also it guys happen. lost that if you had have done your prediction after knowing who would be yeah. lost in the series, and I remember, might have been a little. I remember a guy at the start of the year saying Montreal, if they get into the playoffs, they're built for that kind of hockey. I remember a dude saying that uh, slightly overweight East Coast sportscaster, 57th most popular sportscaster in Canada, according to a recent opinion poll. Uh, I believe that uh, that recent opinion poll would put our next guest ahead of number 57. Sure would. Uh, Kelly Rudy joins us from his home in Calgary, Alberta. Kelly, you've been hearing all this. What, what's your thought on? Shifley, predictions, anywhere you want to go on what Kenny and I have just been babbling about here. 
Okay, I'll get to that in a minute. But Ken, what is that trophy? Is that a golf trophy or are those little oh, golfers boy. on the side? Well, Kelly, what is that? you oh. and I have hit the links before, my good friend, and you know uh, my game. It, it can get pretty <laughs> dialed in. Uh, you're an elite athlete, I Kelly. Golf, yeah. You've uh, you played in the National yep. Hockey League. You're on the Canada Cup. You've made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. I like it. Yeah, this is the 1990 Juvenile Championship trophy from the Picto Golf and Country Club. I was the juvenile champion at the age of 15. Uh, a field of six. Nice. A field of six, and I came out on top, buddy. Yeah, so, you know, if you got it, flaunt it. And, and, and as you can see, the golfers have suffered right? over time. But we had a viewer right? send – yeah, we've had a viewer send in uh, new golf players to put on that. But I don't like to dabble with fine <laughs> art, so I haven't touched it. Well, that reminds me then. I have to share with you guys the first tro trophy I ever won. I was in uh, grade six, and I won – I was going to Elmwood Elementary School in Edmonton. And at the end of the year, I won a trophy for the best athlete in the school. And I went up there to accept my trophy. And I was so emotional, I had tears coming down my <laughs> cheeks. It was so, I think probably looking back, it would have looked cute. But uh, I was a very shy kid, as you could, well, you wouldn't know now. But back then, I yeah. certainly was. Well, let me ask you this. Um, do you still have that trophy and bring it on national TV shows with you? I still do have that trophy. Oh, it's go. so uh, important to me. I don't know exactly where it is, and maybe <laughs> one day I'll share it with you guys on your show. Yeah. <laughs> I, appre I appreciate that. Well, this this trophy has its own Twitter account now, Kelly. It's really <laughs> taken off. Right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's huge, buddy. It's made Okay, of, uh, now I'll answer yeah. the question. Yeah. Now, Please. now I'll answer the Please. question. You know, Mark Shifley, yeah, Mark Shifley's allowed to voice his opinion, right? Yeah. Yes. You know, you could definitely sense that... Uh, He's uh, emotional, he's angry, he's feeling all sorts of different things. And, you know, I have no problem with that. And, and I have no problem if he, uh, he disagrees with a lot of people in the media. I remember back in my day when I started to feel more confident in having a voice. I remember a few times when I was in Los Angeles and uh, people would maybe write uh, unsavory things about me or, you know, say that I wasn't a very good goalie and I'd defend myself and I'd go up to them and, uh, and I'd, I'd voice my opinion. So I have no problem with that. In terms of predictions, I'm with you guys. I have no idea. It's incredibly difficult. It has been increasingly difficult over the last number of years, but I found now during the pandemic, it's so difficult to pick a, a winner or loser. I'm not dodging the question. I'm just being honest. Yeah, no, and I feel the same way. Like a couple of days ago, I thought that the Colorado Avalanche looked like the class of the NHL. They did. Why not? They right? hadn't lost. Yeah. And here we are. A week later, they lost three yeah. in a row. Um, is that the best series that you're seeing right now in the postseason? Uh, yes, and I kind of hesitate because, uh, you know, I, I, I like different series for different reasons, right? Like, yeah. you look at the Islanders series and that Boston series and, and just how difficult the game is, right? Like, they play hard, heavy hockey, and so I, I really admire that. You know, I was having a conversation. I know you guys know Brian Spear, our producer on Hockey Night, and we're having the conversation about the winner of Vegas or, or uh, Colorado and how would they do against the, the winner of the uh, Scotia North. And we're, you know, thinking, well, it looks as though it's going to be Colorado or Vegas. But you know what? I, I, I kind of really hesitate that. I look at the way Montreal played and how they were really great through in the neutral zone. They really shut down everything that Winnipeg had. And, you know, I kind of go back to my series in 93 uh, versus Toronto. You know, the series before that, if you guys remember, L.A., we played Vancouver, and it was super high, fast, uh, great pace, everything, unbelievable talent. And when we went to go play Toronto, not that Toronto didn't have tons of talent too, but they played a completely different style and it was more shut down hockey. So, 
Uh, we ultimately won that in, uh, you know, game seven. But it's so difficult when you have two contrasting styles to mm -hmm. determine or predict who's going to win. As a fan, Kelly, what style do you want to win? Do you want that shutdown Montreal, New York Islanders style to win? Or do you want that Colorado Avalanche style to, to ultimately win? You know, my opinion on that can change. So when I was playing for the New York Islanders, we had a shutdown team, right? Like I would normally get uh, 27, 28 shots and maybe five or seven difficult ones in every game, other than the Easter epic when it goes uh, quadruple <laughs> overtime. But, but when I went to L.A., I learned to really appreciate a wide-open game and really have fun with it. And so that, that has lasted with me. In fact, I remember a conversation I had in the Great Western Forum one day. I'm getting to the rink. Uh, and uh, we're playing the Boston Bruins that night, and Jerry Cheevers was the, was the TV analyst for the Bruins, and so we had a nice chat, and I was expressing myself about that. He goes, Kelly, just have fun. You know, wins are all that matters. Who cares what your goals against average is? Just enjoy a 5-4 a game or a 7-4 game just as much as a 3-2 game. So now when I watch hockey, I really appreciate when it's end-to-end, -end, the goalies have to stand on their head every night, and they're not protected. The one thing I always think in the playoffs, though, don't you need? Don't the best teams do both? Kelly are able to oh, yeah. play both of those games, and when we look at a Stanley Cup champion, usually not all the time, but usually they have one hundred percent characteristics yeah. of both. Oh yeah, but I'm not talking about uh, breaking it down as an analyst. I'm just saying if I'm going to sit enjoying, down with yeah. a nice glass of yep. red wine <laughs> and watch a game, I want I want to be thrilled. I want entertainment, right? Yeah, yeah. without okay. a doubt. I want entertainment too. So I'm going to switch from red wine to beer. I love the fact that when the playoffs start, you never know what stories are going to emerge. Your former teammate, Kelly, Clark Gillies, this whole new generation of fans has been introduced to an old gray-haired maniac smashing a beer can on his head. Did you know that Clark had that in him, and do you think he'll smash another beer can on his head tonight? Uh, I'm sure he will uh, if the outcome is exactly what he's looking for. But, you know, Clarkie is one of the favorite guys I've ever played with. And by the way, one of the funniest. And mm -hmm. so every time you get together with him, he, you're, you're rolling, uh, you know, just, just through laughter. It's just he's an amazing guy. Uh, I'm happy he's getting all this uh, attention right now, and he's really enjoying it. I love it. Would you smash a beer can on your head if you went, ended up at Nassau? No. You can't, you can't do not. a red wine glass, no. buddy. I know you like the, the rouge, you know. That's How about dangerous. the red solo cup? There you yeah, go. The red solo you go. cup. You can, there you go. I think I can handle that one, too. Uh, Kelly Rudy joining us here on Tim and Friends. Uh, you want to close with anything else? Or, no, I, I mean, this is where we I, end. I, I just, your, I just love, yeah. Kelly, I just love that you went to entertainment there. And that's as a fan, that's all I want. Right? I want to be entertained. And to be honest... Bruce Cassidy, his comments to me, th that was entertainment. And I think he should have had the right to say that without being fined. I'm just curious what you thought about that. Same. Yeah. Same. I, you know, I, I, I heard it, and I thought, oh, boy, I wonder if he crossed the line. I wonder if he's going to get fined. I thought, no, I don't think so. And you know what? 25 grand, I guess you can live with if you're an NHL coach. But I thought he took it in stride really well. I'm really, by the way, if I'm if I heard correct, just prior to coming on, is it correct that Tuka Rask is playing? Yeah. Yeah, he's good to go. Okay, I didn't hear that until just now. So that's great news for the Bruins. He is, We've been talking about it for the entire playoffs. He has definitely been banged up, and we, we even showed the clip, I think it was March 7th, when he was going uh, off the ice for an extra attacker, I believe against New Jersey, and he started to hold his back. So he's, uh, he's certainly been playing through something that definitely affects his day-to-day -day, uh, playing and his life.
only thing I thought about the Cassidy comments is he should have paid Brian Burke a little bit of a copyright fee because I felt like it was the same yeah. speech that we heard from Berkey that we play on the show all the time. Uh, Kelly, always great right? catching up with you. We know you've been going hard on Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL and Sportsnet, so we appreciate the time. My pleasure, Tim and Ken. Have a great show, guys. See you, buddy. You too. There is uh, yep. Kelly Rudy, who's uh, seen a few things in his time. He has. I, I wanted to. So you all about yeah. entertainment? Like, sometimes I sit here well, and, like, like you know yeah. that some of those uh, yeah. things are contrary to what ends up winning in I the know. postseason. Uh, yeah. Okay, so this is my take on that. And I, I'm yeah. ta- I, I wanted to get Kelly's take on that because it's something I'm really curious about. And I've, I've, I've mentioned it when doing, you know, shows like this in the past or podcasts or whatever, and people will say, oh, are the Leafs going to win? And I said, with the style they play, I wish it would win right. because it's open, it's fast, and it's a copycat league, right? And that would make more teams want to be open and fast. But pretty much the proof is you got to play tight, you got to play team unit, you got to do both, Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. And I wish for the sake of the entertainment side of the game that Whelan dealing 1977 fire wagon Montreal Canadiens hockey would win but it just doesn't work that way in the playoffs anymore and that's why you see teams like the Islanders do well the Bruins they can do both um that that tight bore them to death sometimes hockey is going to win in the playoffs but as a fan I would love to see 6-5 6-5 6-5 every game of the Stanley Cup final and two teams just play river hockey but until that happens it ain't gonna happen right uh, the Jets went out with a whimper in round two after such an impressive sweep of the Oilers. What happened? We'll hear from some of the Jets players and break down the offseason ahead in Winnipeg with Ken Weeb, Kenny Kenny, and Timmy next, along with Eric Engels. On Tim and Friends. Welcome back, Tim and friends, Tim McAuliffe and Ken Reed, along with his trophy in studio. As mentioned earlier, the Jets met with the media today after their disappointing second-round loss to the Montreal Canadiens. We heard from Mark Shifley. Let's now hear from Blake Wheeler and or Blake Wheeler, and then Connor Hellebuck on how close this team is to taking that next step that they've kind of been waiting for. Yeah, that's a group you can get really excited about. So now it's just it's just supplementing, you know, just trying to. And that's, you know, in a flat cap world, that's going to be Kevin's kind of challenge this summer is how do you how do you fit the pieces in to kind of, you know, push that core over the top. And I guess that's what remains to be seen. You can see that the pieces coming in, they're making big moves and they're being they're playing bigger than themselves. And and when that core starts to grow like that, that's when you start to get a dominating team. And like we're close. None, nothing that happened this year was a fluke. We're very close to, to being able to make runs and being a dynasty, but it's just going to take a few more pieces and, and we'll be there. All right, we shouldn't overanalyze the word dynasty, right? <laughs> there are no dynasties anymore, are there? Well, but certainly not one who's only made one conference final. I know he's saying that we're they're gonna building good. towards that. Yeah, there's... It's such an interesting team because they're not young. Yeah, but listen to this. I did research. Okay. Expiring contracts that mm-hmm. expire after the 2024 playoffs, okay? So these guys are all together until 2024. So they're locked in. Wheeler, Shifley, Connor, Ehlers, Lowry, uh, Hellebuck. 
right. that's pretty good. Their core. That's the core to build around. Right. That's pretty good. Right. That's pretty good. They got a, a few UFAs on this team. Paul Stastny among them. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's up 35, in age. Yeah, yeah, he's 35 years old. They're only, um, I mean, that's why Pierre-Luc Dubois is such an interesting part what of if, the pie. What if he blossoms, right? He's only 22. Right. 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 But you, uh, I mean, listen, yesterday I said, I don't know if I've ever wished this, but I hope that we hear that Pierre-Luc Dubois I, was hurt. I, I know. We didn't hear that today, did we? And we did not hear no. that today. Although, no. can we, if we catch up with him, we will definitely talk to him about that. But that's why he's such an intriguing piece for everyone in Winnipeg, because if he does blossom, you can see, like, Jack Roslovic right now might be the best player in that trade. Like, it's right. crazy. Right, and that's the thing. If you have a guy there and, and that pedigree, he catches up to that pedigree that he came with, that's like a free player. Right. Well, no, it's, he's definitely not a free player. Haven't given up Lonnie <laughs> right. in it, but but I mean, yeah, I, I I thought we'd hear for sure that he was injured or something was wrong, but we didn't hear anything today. At least I haven't yet. And let's not forget that this was a guy who made his name basically in a postseason with Columbus. Mm-hmm. Like that's where he took the next step. And you could talk to many a Leaf fan if they're not still pissed off about the CN Tower and say who was the best player in that series between Columbus and Toronto in the bubble. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them will say it was Pierre-Luc Dubois. And Winnipeg saw none of that. And that that was definitely the player the Jets thought they were getting in that deal. But, man, this this, this is a weird deal so far. I mean, two guys that you just think, okay, well, when Line A went to Columbus, I... Did you really think that was going to work with Tortorella there? I didn't. Come on, I didn't. Come I said on. it when the deal happened. And I was also big on the Roslovic add-in, which is crazy to me now. All right, let's bring Ken Weeb in on the phone, uh, trying to hook up with him for a little bit here. But obviously the technology has failed us. So we go old school. Science. Back to the telephone. And Ken Weeb, how are you, buddy? Guys, I'm excellent. Uh, I've dressed up in a suit for you. I feel uh, very guilty that this didn't work out here. Dang, is this a rotary dial phone? Are you going totally old school, or <laughs> given that we're not using FaceTime? Uh, and here's here's the worst part of the admission. It was because I botched about six takes of our hits for uh, for connected here. So it's, uh, uh, it's uh, been we had there. a rainstorm, some traffic, and uh, then I had some marbles uh, going on in the mouth here. So my apologies. Been, been there, there, done been that. there. Yeah, yeah both of us. That's have been. no problem. What was your biggest takeaway from today's uh, dressing room cleanout? Wow, uh, two big things. I know you guys were just talking about Dubois, uh, mm-hmm. pointing a finger squarely at himself. I mean, that, his accountability level has been super high, uh, but the fact that he uh, you know, came so far as to say that he was disappointed in how it went and that he, I mean, obviously we know he remains confident in himself, but uh, this is a guy who's very accountable. And then the second one, obviously, I mean, Mark Schleifle coming with both barrels uh, at the Department of Player Safety. Um, and Connor Hellbuck also, you know, stealing some headlines with his comment that they could become a dynasty with the, with another piece or two. But uh, the biggest surprise was obviously Shifley. I mean, uh, I know it's a you know, very polarizing subject for sure. Uh, I think, you know, there's a frustrated player who loves playoff hockey, was limited to three shifts against the Calgary Flames, and was limited to one game against the Canadians, feeling very frustrated and used the word excessive again when it comes to uh, the length of the suspension, especially for someone with a clean record. But, uh, man, it's not every day you hear someone saying you expect mm-hmm. to go into a series to try to be checked by uh, Philip Deneau and you end up getting knocked out of the series by the Department of Player Safety. I mean, that was uh, those were some pretty harsh words. Uh, the one thing I would say I would have liked to have heard from Mark, of course he wasn't trying to injure the player. I think the one thing that would... Um, I mean, certainly help in other markets as if he had said, 
I wish I hadn't hit him in the head. Or, I mean, obviously he said he wishes he wasn't injured. But I think just going so far as to say, you know, I tried to hit him in the chest, but I followed through my bad. I think that would be the one element of the conversation that would have really helped him. I appreciate that he was honest, and those are his true feelings. Disagree or disagree with them. We need more of that in hockey, don't we? Absolutely right. And that's why I say, I mean, uh, you know, Mark Shapley is not a guy who makes headlines with his words. He lets his play do the talking the majority of the time. Uh, He's passionate about the game. And, you know, ultimately he feels that if he hadn't finished that play, he would have been quitting on his teammates. And let's not get ourselves, guys. Mark Shifley is not known as the league's best back checker. So for him to back check that vehemently shows his level of commitment. But, I mean, the problem was that that is fine up until the part that his shoulder, you know, he starts by hitting him in the chest. But when he finishes and catches him in the chin, that, that's the only part of the problem with that hit right I mean that used to be a clean hit but it's not allowed anymore so I mean I'll, I'll take a passionate player speaking the truth with honesty over a cliche machine anytime so I mean I do applaud him for that but uh, there was a little bit of foreshadowing Mark's comments too saying I should stop talking now or I might get fined and then he went and came with the second barrel uh, to finish the discussion so uh, the one other thing too I mean I understand Nashville, the Jets weren't picked to be a real big star in the North, but I mean, a lot of us picked the Winnipeg Jets to at least make the playoffs of the bubble team. So, I mean, I think he went a little bit far on those fronts. But again, if that's how he feels, share those thoughts. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, you know, rip a guy for being honest at all, Kenny. You're exactly right. We want more honesty in the game, not less. Uh, I want to ask you one more, and it was just about Paul Maurice. There was that stirring of the Paul Maurice has lost the room, uh, at least yeah. locally in Winnipeg. How, how do you think that played out today? Yeah, I mean, that narrative got quieted pretty quickly. And, I mean, obviously Blake Wheeler has been a staunch supporter from the very beginning. But uh, when the guy, Mark Shapley, who was publicly benched against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada, comes out and says after saying previously he didn't agree with the decision that now it was something that, uh, was a learning experience and will help make him better and that he wants the folks like Paul Maurice to challenge him to be better. Uh, I think that was a pretty heavy endorsement uh, from Mark Shapley for sure. I mean, everyone who was asked about him said all the same things. And Blake Wheeler also showing that honesty and saying, you know, he's been in rooms where the message gets stale and guys kind of look at each other and roll, roll their eyes. But uh, I think that Paul Maurice is an incredibly smart guy. Yes, we in the media love him because he's articulate and usually revealing. But, I mean, this is a guy who is a smart guy. But I also think that, I mean, I think he's got a vote of confidence. But I think tactically, I think the Jets will be having to make a couple of changes in the offseason. I think they're going to have to incorporate a couple more young players, especially on the back end. And now it's all about what the offseason brings in terms of exploring ways to help upgrade that back end. We know they have an all-world goalie in Connor Hellebuck. We know they have scoring. We know they have talent. But... They're going to have to, in order to get the window to line up, they need to upgrade that back end in the offseason. Uh, I may be biased here, Ken, but uh, I think we missed you on camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate I, I honestly have one of my favorite suits. I am so disappointed. I'm going to have to get it out for next time. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys, and I'll look forward to the next time we get to chat. Yeah, we'll do it again soon so you can bust out the suit. Thanks for doing Thanks, it. Appreciate Ken. it. Cheers, guys. Have a great night. Uh, there is Ken Weeb in Winnipeg, and he mentioned other markets reacting to what was said in Winnipeg, and uh, we're going to do that. We're going to go to other markets. Eric Engels calls Montreal home and covers the Habs as closely as anyone on planet Earth. He joins us now, and uh, he's got his camera working up and going. How are you, Engels? 
How are things? I'm doing. I'm doing awesome, guys. How are you? Appreciate it. Um, I'm doing well, Kenny. Yeah. I th- can, can we just say to Eric Engels, not a question, but just Eric, go. <laughs> what, you want me to go? I'll go. Go. What was the, what was um, the reaction in Montreal? Yeah. You know what? I, I'm just going to give you my own. Uh, first, I'm going to predicate it by saying that I love Mark Scheifele, the player. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I have one of my best friends named Jared Silver who told me last year, who would you take between Dak Eichel and Mark Scheifele? And I said, I take Mark Scheifele and I bet 30 of 31 GMs would take him too. So this has nothing to do with Scheifele, the player. But I want to talk about what Scheifele did because he seems to be confused about it. And he talks about keeping his shoulder down and his elbow tucked in and not leaving his feet. He wasn't suspended for Rule 48, a legal check to the head. He was suspended for Rule 42. And if he doesn't know the definition of it, don't worry. The league sends out a video every year explaining its rules. And I promise you, the hit that he threw on Jake Evans will be the definition of charging. And when you throw a hit like that and you break a rule, you are subject to being suspended. He was not suspended because of the result of this play. The length of his suspension had to do with the result of this play. And the result of this play is Jake Evans face down, stretchered off the ice, and concussed. So I hope Mark Scheifele understands that if someone breaks a rule and leaves him face down, concussed, stretchered off the ice while his family is watching at home, that the NHL will punish the offender as severely as he was in this situation. It seems that your reaction is the same. Like, honestly, we have been tagged on every argument on planet Earth seemingly between fans in Montreal and fans in Winnipeg. Have you seen this much of... Uh, a, a difference of opinion, and I know that fans tend to support their guy, but have you seen something like this before where it seems like two different markets have two different opinions on the same play? Once, and there's a similarity there, but the game has changed since it happened, and the game has changed because it happened. Max Pacioretty and Zdeno Chara, when Chara uh, hit yeah. Pacioretty into the stanchion. And you know what? All the argument about that, whether it was Chara saying that he didn't know it was Pacioretty and didn't know where he was on the ice, there is a reason that you never see guys get hit into the stanchion because the players that would do that would understand that the repercussions could be so severe and the consequences could be so severe, not in terms of suspension, but in terms of the life that you're taking into your hands and doing something like that. How often have we ever seen this Shifley hit generated such a wide debate because you never see a guy take a 190-foot run down the ice and charge someone. And I understand for the first 180 feet of this play, Mark Shifley is trying to get back, back check, and prevent the goal. But at some point, over the last 10 feet, he makes a conscious decision that he's not going to make that play. He's going to make Jake Evans pay to make his own play. And I know people are looking. I, I speak to hockey players. I speak to everyone in the league, practically. And I know a lot of them are putting the onus on Evans to be responsible here and to have his head up and to expect that he's going to brace for contact. But he's not expecting to be charged from 190 feet away. And a a penalty happened on this play. And that's how suspensions work. Penalties turn into suspensions when they result in serious injuries like they did on this play. And to blame Jake Evans for it when we entered into an era of hockey where the responsibility is on the offending player to ensure that if he can avoid creating such colossal damage by breaking a rule that he should. And Mark Shifley had the opportunity to avoid doing what he's, what he did. And Canadians fans who were very vehemently upset about this, all they would like is a bit of contrition from Mark Shifley. Yeah. The NHL 
did not cost him the four games that he sat out here. Jake Evans did not cost him the four games that he sat out. He cost himself that. And as a player who wants to be known as having a good, pristine reputation and his character, as he made in his comments, his first comments since reacting to the suspension, he should show some contrition, apologize to Jake Evans for breaking a rule and putting him in that position, regardless of Evans's role in the situation. Eric Engels in Montreal. Uh, do you think that if Ken Reed put his trophy for a juvenile golf champion in Pictou County on the line that you could take it from him? Well, Eric's good, I heard. Uh, yeah. No, not right now. I am absolutely horrible at golf. I am down a lot of money on our sheets for the <laughs> summer. Yeah. And my buddy Jared, who I referenced before, yeah. is reminding me every day sending the sheet out. I lost my swing. I need to get some lessons going. <laughs> and the infrequency and the fact that my mind is so preoccupied while I'm out there with what's going on with hockey yeah. is not helping. So, right. anyways, we'll that, get there soon. I've had the same problem. I was awful on Monday. Oh, man. Uh, I can't yeah, get my groove yet. All right, uh, Angles, appreciate the time. Uh, maybe we'll get out on a course soon. I hope so. All right, there See you, buddy. Eric Angles in Montreal weighing in on what we heard out of Winnipeg a little earlier on. Tough night for the Blue Jays' bullpen. Are they running out of steam? Do the Jays need to make moves sooner rather than later? Dan Schulman weighs in on all things Jays. Plus, sticky situation in baseball. We'll see if he has an opinion on <laughs> spider tack. Spider tack. Spider tack. Writes itself. And the neighborhood spider tack. Scooby Doo from show. <laughs> The Toronto Blue Jays continue their set with a pretty damn good White Sox team that I'm not sure enough Jays fans knew about if they weren't looking around the league, but they will know about them uh, by the end of this series. Uh, Lance Lynn tonight against Alec Manoa. Not only a great name, some great numbers. 7-1 with a 123 ERA, the man calling the game. Dan Schulman joins us from about... A floor and a half up over that way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How are you, Danny? And all of a sudden, like a Brady Bunch thing broke out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, I'm doing great. Good to, good to see you guys. Good to be with you. All right, so let's talk about last night because a lot of Jays fans want to talk about last night. It, did, did last night prove that the Jays need to go get some help with all of these injuries in that bullpen? Well, they, they need something to get better. Either the guys they have have to pitch better or they got to get some guys who are in the minors or they got to go outside the organization or, or some combination of the three. You know, because of the injuries and because Chatwood has, you know, fallen out of the high leverage group, they're asking guys to do things that maybe they're not equipped to do or maybe they're not you know, familiar with and experienced doing. Um, bullpen was so good in April, but the, the injuries have just caught up to them. Ryan Barucki out, Merriweather out, Phelps out. Um, and and it, it's a concern. You know, the, this kind of thing can snowball on you in a hurry, and they're playing the White Sox, and then they're playing the Red Sox. And, and I don't know who it's going to be. You know, maybe it's Patrick Murphy coming up from the minors. Maybe they decide to make Thomas Hatch into a reliever. Maybe they make a trade. Maybe they do all of the above because they're not just one arm away, I think, from getting back to where they need to be in the bullpen. They need uh, – two or three guys to come in and really stabilize things. And and I don't know uh, how easy that's to do, uh, that is to do on June the 9th. 
It's funny, too, because when you look at some of the numbers for the Jays and the Chai Sox, uh, offensively, they're pretty much the same, but the biggest difference is that ERA, and I, I, I'm yep. assuming a lot of that's out of the bullpen. A lot of that's out of the bullpen, although the rotation, Ken, for the White Sox is the best in the American League. Mm -hmm. It's 302. Uh, Lance Lynn, as Tim mentioned, who starts tonight, has a 123 ERA. In my mind, I look at the White Sox as kind of being like a year ahead of the Blue Jays in that contending window. They're a little bit more uh, of a, you know, a fully evolved, mature team ready to, to make a run for it all. Their rotation is great. Their bullpen is better than the Blue Jays is right now. And I agree with you. I think the offenses are comparable. So uh, Chicago's really, really good. They don't get the attention the Cubs do because they're on the other side of Chicago. They don't get the attention the Yankees or the Red Sox get. But the White Sox are right up there in my mind with the Rays and the Astros as being maybe the best team in the American League. I'm one of those guys who usually loves to scream at the bullpen, but I had a little sympathy for them last night because I yeah. think that the, the, the hitters with runners in scoring position, one for 12. It was like the bulk pen went three's company and created a diversion. That's <laughs> what the real theme of the show was. Right. The theme of the show for me was yeah. last night that Jack didn't know where Chrissy was and the Jays right. couldn't hit with runners in scoring position and Jesse doesn't know what three's company is. Wow. Never thought we'd land here, but yeah, but, <laughs> but here we are. But yeah, I'm with you. One for, you know, you're not going to win many games when you go one for 12 with runners in scoring position, but even if they'd scored a couple of runs, let's say it's three to one when Ray gives yeah. up the home run. If they go to Dolis then, and if Dolis has the same outing, and I know there's no way of knowing that, they still would have needed somebody else in the eighth inning. Part of the problem is when Rafael, you know, he's so hit and miss. When he comes in and it takes him 26 pitches to get two outs, then the plan is gone. It's like that old boxing line. Everybody's got a plan until you get hit. Mm -hmm. Dolis got hit, and and that meant that he and Romano could not go the rest of the way, and that meant they used Thornton in the eighth inning, and, and, and it's complicated. Again, you've got guys who are punching above their weight class or trying to punch above their weight class a little bit right now, uh, whether it's Castro or Piamps or Meza or even Dolis, in a sense. So they need reinforcements, and again, whether it's Patrick Murphy or Thomas Hatch, if they flip him into the bullpen or a trade, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, heavy-duty conversations going on inside the offices right now. Before we get to the spider tack, I just got to ask about Tony La Russa because uh, there was a narrative when he was hired of what he was going to be. Now, this team's very talented, and a lot of people thought that they were on the verge. How would you rate, beyond the Yarmin Mercedes incident, how would you rate what he has been able to do and I don't know if you can go beyond the Yarmin Mercedes incident, but yeah. how would you rate how he's doing? I, I think he's doing well. And, and and I think you always knew there were going to be a couple of moments here and there, whether it was Yarmin or Mercedes. There was an issue with the runner at second base and extra innings. They were in an interleague game, and it was the pitcher's spot that was due to run. But there is a rule that says if it's the pitcher who's supposed to run, you can go to the guy before him in the order, and Tony didn't know that. And it, that's a bit of an obscure rule. How often does that come into play? But I, I don't think he's forgotten how to be one of the most successful managers in baseball and I'm sure that he leans on Miguel Cairo and Joe McEwing guys who played for him much younger than he is guys who are on his coaching staff you know how how well does he relate to the 23 year olds on the team as a 76 year old guy uh, I don't know but right now it, it seems to be working fine you're not hearing a lot of complaints winning cures a lot of things that can that can ail you obviously and they're 37 and 23 uh, but but I think most people would tell you it's going better than expected I think some people thought this was going to be, you know, like an erupting volcano and there was yeah. no chance that this was going to work. And it hasn't been that way. All right. Before we let you go, I just got to get your opinion on yesterday. We had Jeff Passan on the show. That was great. Buddy. Great writer, uh, ESPN. Terrific. And yeah. I asked him flat out, did he think that great pitchers were going to be average? And he said, yes, because of this 
spider tack, sticky situation that we've got ourselves into here in baseball. How worried is Major League Baseball about the latest cheating scandal? I don't know if worried is the word. I, I think they're determined to try to change it. And truthfully, you know, this has been... Uh you know, the, the dirty little secret of the, of the game for a long time that everybody's using something. I guess it's fine for everybody to use something if just everybody can agree on what the something should be. Like, bring the hitters in, bring the pitchers in, bring the coaches in, uh, and, and have a meeting and figure it out. And, and it doesn't have to be this dirty little secret anymore. But uh, I do think we're going to see a lot of changes. All of the changes that have come in the game the last few years seem to have favored uh, the pitchers and you know there's just again there's there's too much swing and a miss there's not enough action in the game at times and I think one of the reasons is the illegal substances it's it's allowing the pitchers to um, you know move the ball like crazy you, you'll watch pitcher uh, pitches from certain guys two seamers or sliders or whatever and we didn't see pitches like that 10 years ago with that combination of velocity and movement. I don't know how anybody gets a hit half the time anymore. So I, I don't think this one's going away. The, the question is, how do you enforce it? You don't want umpires walking out to the mound eight times every game looking at caps and gloves and, 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 and all that sort of thing. they got to figure out how to keep this above board and get everybody on the same page. Uh, Danny Boy, appreciate the time on a game day, as always. Uh, have a great call, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, thanks. There is uh, Dan Shulman in our team jacket today. Yeah. Pastels. Yeah. Pastels, yeah. Uh, coming your way on Sportsnet, one Blue Jays Central, 7 p.m. By the way, uh, one more uh, phrase that goes into this conversation about mm -hmm. cheating in baseball and mm -hmm. who's going to enforce and when they're going to enforce, CBA negotiations uh, is that phrase. Uh, I'm not sure enough that had a lot to do with the whole steroid thing, too. Did bringing it up right day. now. Time for one last break. Last call, Jesse Rubinoff, Ken Reed. Next, they're among the friends. You're among the friends. It's Tim and Friends on Sportsnet. Jesse, I love the... Inside the Lines, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker. What's up, fans? Ryan Kessler, Islanders, Bruins, game six. Who's going to win? No, based on last game alone, Boston's going to go into game six with a lot of momentum, scoring those two late goals in the third period, almost tying it up. I'm going to go with Boston. They're, they got their backs against the wall, and, and with that perfection line, they've been playing good lately, and, and uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Boston. Who do you got? Providing competitive odds on all sports. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds maker. 19 plus. Play responsibly. From Kess's house to Jess's house. That's what it is for last call. Does anyone call you Jess? You just did. I'd probably Jesse Rubinoff. I get last down with call. that. Sorry. Jess, Jerry. Jerry. Jerry, you get Jerry? Six oh, yeah. Jerry, 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 Jerry. We should have had Weeb and Engels on head to head. That would have been a Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Weeb is that guy. Nah. <laughs> Weeb wasn't, Weeb wasn't as hot as uh, Engels was about the True. first All right. Baseball. We were talking about what's going on with baseball. Yep. This isn't that yet, quite yet, but uh, there were several questionable calls in baseball yesterday, including this review on a play at first base in the Mets-Orioles game. And let's just say Mets TV analyst Gary Cohen was not impressed with how it played out. <laughs> oh. Bang, bang, play at first base, and it's taken a little longer than you would expect for them to adjudicate this. And it was definitely in the glove before the foot came down, so I'm not sure why it's taking so long 
for them to figure this out. And these are the ones that just make you tear whatever hair you have left out. <laughs> and they call him safe. <laughs> After all of that, just awful. they take so much time and they get it wrong. <laughs> what is the point of having review if they don't even get the calls right? It's pathetic. It just leaves everyone bewildered. It's just pathetic. What are we doing? Just here? take the whole system and throw it in the garbage. It's a joke. It's a total and utter joke. Tell us how you really feel. Lindor smiling. Gotta love that. Um, which sport has the worst review system? Because baseball is most certainly making a run here. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like footballs is the worst because it slows really? the game down the most. But they usually get more right than wrong, and. You know, toes in the end zone. It's kind of needed, so I let them off the hook for how long they take. Mm -hmm. Baseball is just a joke. Yeah. I'd rather go. I robot umpires this that. that. You can't even get this right. It's like, so amazing in baseball how many times they go to review and it's that would very would just happen and they get yeah. it wrong. They just, it's so baseball. Baseball's that, the ultimate stubborn sport. Nope, nope, nope. Wait, it's just ah. Yeah, I mean, that's a double whammy because you're taking the five minutes to review it and you get the call incorrect. So yeah, that's. Not the one thing about baseball review that people don't bring up enough is which feed they have. Because sometimes they see they a different replay. They have the stupid one because yeah. it no, never sometimes works. Sometimes you have a different replay and you don't see what it actually is. And uh, yeah. It's if you saw joke. that in slow-mo, it's inexcusable. Right. Um, sticking with baseball, but let's do college. University of Virginia pitcher Stephen Schock has been developing quite a reputation for being a Kenny Powers lookalike and delivering hilarious post-game interviews. He did it again yesterday after Virginia beat Old Dominion to advance to the Super Regionals of the NCAA Tournament. Back to that last inning, ninth inning. What are the emotions like entering that inning? Well, emotions are go in, win. I heard a fan offer free Dippin' Dots if I blew it, which the price of Dippin' Dots with inflation is just unreal. So, for a brief moment, I was like, damn, Dippin' Dots sound good. But also, I thought in the back of my head, we win today, we win tomorrow, or tonight. We're going to be here another day. That's more per diem. So, that means I can buy my own Dippin' Dots and be a winner. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a good character guy to have in the room. Uh, Ken, have you ever had a Dippin' Dot? Uh, no, don't even know what one is. But my biggest question is, since when did 57-year-olds pitch in university baseball? <laughs> he does that, not look that like That guy looks like... older than my dad. <laughs> he does. Uh, by the way, Dippin' Dot is a wonderful ice cream treat that is way overpriced, but oh, delicious. I thought it was a wad of chewing tobacco when <laughs> I, I heard dip a, in baseball. I think it's an American-only thing. Oh, the heater, you know? Sticking with baseball. Gotta love it. Uh, after Josh Donaldson called out Garrett Cole yesterday, Cole will get the start for the Yankees tonight in Minnesota. Earlier today, Yankees broadcaster Michael Kay suggested that Cole should hit Donaldson in the ribs <laughs> in the first <laughs> inning. And Donaldson was seen wearing rib protectors at batting practice a little <laughs> while ago. So, Ken, do you think we'll see any fireworks tonight? Is that a simple yes or no question? Yes. I, in the, I, 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 that's my best Garrett Cole. Yeah, be, <laughs> there might be a little bit of fireworks. By the way, that was the best worst answer to a question oh. since the Miss, U, Miss Teen USA was asked about education yeah, systems in America. Yeah, the, the Tim and Friends slash Tim and Sid favorite answer of all time was Moelde Moore when he was asked about a sex cruise that the Minnesota Vikings went on. Yeah. And he said, what, 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 what? Huh? What, man, man, I'm engaged. I don't know what you're doing. They've scrubbed that, too. They, we, we tried oh, looking for that interview. Can't find it. Yeah, a while back. It's Couldn't gone. find it anywhere. Uh, yeah. Nowhere. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Who scrubbed it?
Like Moelde Moore had. It's unbelievable. Yes. Kenny, thank you. Cool, man. I'm going to go get some dipping Dot. Oh, so good. <laughs> Jesse, thank you. Thanks, uh, reminder, Bruins and Islanders is coming up 7.30 Eastern on Sportsnet. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.